Hello, my friends, and welcome to another moment. Another Black History Moment with Bo. And I hope this day finds you well and confident, assured that nothing can stop you today. You know, I told you I was going to try to get right back at you as often as I can. And I'm working my way back up to talking to you twice a week. But during the summer, it's kind of hard. But now that the weather is kind of cooling off here in Arizona, I will be spending more and more time in this studio getting right. And if you should happen to be a new listener, I'm saying welcome. Welcome to our little world. This is where we learn and talk about ourselves and the things that are happening in this world to us. First, I'd like to tell you that we are not a long show. We are here just long enough to stir your mind. Long enough for you to get to the grocery store or the barber shop or wherever you've got to go. And I will guarantee you, if you will listen to us, when you get to your destination, you will have some new thoughts upon your mind. And you will have a little bit of new knowledge. But mostly you'll have fact. And you'll have truth, because this is what this program is about. And before we slip into darkness today, I'm going to do some free, real talk about us. So buckle up. And I know I'm going to hear a lot of emails from you people about today. But that's all right, because that's what we're about to communicate. I cannot help that sometimes we are our own worst enemy. And I guess sometimes we secretly want to say to our ancestors, look at me now, look where I came from, and look what I have accomplished. And I am sure that they are proud of you. But here's the thing, I think it's better not to have it than to have it and lose it. Okay, real talk now. Do you know five years out of pro football and pro basketball, 80% of our brothers are broke? Can you believe that? And I know uh, myself as well as a lot of other people think, well, dog, if I had $5 million, that would last me the rest of my life. And some of us would. And then a lot of us would go out and purchase 60 and 80 and 100 million dollar houses. For what? We will get private airplanes costing up to $20,000 an hour to fly us from one place to another. When first class commercial airplane will get you there just as quick and you're not paying that insurance and you're not paying for that fuel. Sometimes when I see or hear what our young men are doing with their money, I get upset. Because with hundreds of millions of dollars, do you know what you could do for our people? And your ancestors would really be proud. What does any man and woman need with a house that costs that much? Now, I know all of them aren't doing that, but there are too many of them that are. 
It just seems that these people have no guidance. Oh sure, I know there's plenty of people around them with their hand out with a mouth full of gimme and a hand full of much obliged, but but they are not the people that are helping our people. Now movie stars and entertainers, you gotta put in a different category because their careers last a little longer, at least a little bit longer if they're black. Because if you're black, once you get a certain age in Hollywood, they will turn their backs on you too. So now you've got a million dollars worth of cars in your driveway. But you have to pay insurance on each one of them. You have to pay the upkeep on each one of them. You have an $80 million house, but you have to keep the lawn up. You have to keep the house clean. You have to keep maintenance on the house. And that's not talking about mama's house and daddy's house. But guess what? You're 30 years old now, and your career has come to an end. And those checks are no longer coming in. But you are still putting out like mad. And I just heard recently that the NBA was required to give 10% of their salary back. Now ain't that a shot in the neck. And then I listened to people like Chad Johnson. Who says that he has 85% of his salaries that he earned in the NFL and all the jewelry and stuff that hang, was hanging on him was fake and why would he need a $50,000 watch when all it's gonna do is tell you the time the same thing that $10 Timex does the man has sense I also listened to a running back from Seattle that said he had all of his money because all he did was live off of his endorsements. These people's non-glamorous lifestyle are saying a lot about them and about us. And the killing part about it, my friends, is that when you cash that $40 million check, you are still a slave, but just a $40 million slave. Minister Louis Farrakhan says the NFL combine is the same as the chopping blocks were during slavery. How fast can you run? How high can you jump? How many balls can you catch? And it was the same way on the selling block. Look at this man. Look how strong his back is. Look how large his hands is for picking cotton. Look at his legs. He has good teeth in his mouth. Now what am I offered for this nigger? Now do you see a similarity, my friends? Before I end this real talk session today, which has taken up a lot more time than I wanted it to take up. I just want to tell you that I'm not here to whisper sweet nothings in your ear. I'm here to feed you the bitter truth. 
You know, my friends, in America, there's a significant kind of public insistence that one's freedom is fundamentally tied to one's wealth. Much of the country views America through a aspirational and transformative lens, a colorblind and bias-free utopia, wherein wealth conveys equality. Once an individual achieves massive financial success, or so the message goes, he or she will transcend the scourge of economic and racial inequality, truly becoming free. Working in parallel with this reverence for the colorblind version of the American dream, is the belief that economic privilege mandate patriotic gratitude. Americans are told to love their nation uncritically, be thankful that they are exceptional enough to live in a country that allows citizens the opportunity to reach astronomical heights of economic prosperity. Now for the nation's Black citizens, us, there's often an additional racialized presumption lurking under the surface of these concepts. The notion that black success and wealth demands public silence on systemic issues of inequality and oppression. We've paid you all this money, so keep your damn mouth shut. These are durable and fragile ideologies that prop up the concept of the American dream. Durable because they are encoded in the very fabric of American culture. Most Americans, including African Americans, have readily embraced these ideologies as assumed facts yet fragile because it's all too easy to see that one's economic privilege is a lousy barrier against both individual and systemic discrimination and oppression. Consequently, black people have also been among the most vocal challengers of these ideologies. As we have seen most recently with the Colin Kaepernick and the NFL's Take a Knee demonstrations. In a show of solidarity with the free agent quarterback, professional football players, the vast majority of whom are black, have been kneeling during the national anthem as a means of protesting racial injustice and police brutality. My friends, at this time, even the President of the United States, who was Donald Trump, brought the hammer down on these players. Oh, we pay you too much money. The teams pay you too much money to protest your inequalities, as though one had anything to do with the other. And what he tweeted was, if a player wants the privilege of making millions of dollars in the NFL or other leagues, he or she should not be allowed to kneel calling the protesters' actions disrespectful to the country flag and anthem. And he called for the players to be fired, encouraged a boycott of the NFL. 
insisted that the league pass a rule mandating that players stand for the anthem and decided to deride the protesters as sons of bitches. The NFL players and their defenders had repeatedly stated that the protests were intended to highlight racial inequality and oppression. They've also explained that their decision to kneel emerged from a desire to protest peacefully and respectfully after a sustained conversation with military veterans. There is a grievance that suggests that black athletes should be grateful to live in this country that racism can't exist in America since black professional athletes are allowed to play and sign contracts for considerable sums of money, that black players owe the nation their silence since America gave them opportunity and access, that black athletes have no moral authority on issues of race and inequality because of their individual success and that black athletes' success was never theirs to earn but instead was given to them and can just as easily be taken away. This culture war being waged over black athletes is not new. Black athletes and entertainers have long been hyper-aware of their peculiar place in American society as individuals beloved for their athletic and artistic talents, yet reviled the moment they used their public platform to protest systemic racial inequality. The parallels between the take-a-knee protest and the protests of Muhammad Ali or John Carlos and Tommy Smith are readily apparent. So, too, are their important similarities to the case of Paul Robeson. And I know many of you have never heard of Paul Robeson, but he was an outspoken civil rights activist, a professional football player, lawyer, opera singer and actor. Robeson had his passport revoked in 1950 because of his political activism and speech, actions that all but destroyed his career. The star athlete and entertainer, who had exemplified American upward mobility, quickly became public enemy number one. As institution canceled his concert, the public called for his death and anti-Rubison mobs burned effigies of him. During a 1956 congressional hearing, the chairman of the House Committee on Un-American Activities beat a familiar refrain with Robeson challenging the entertainer's accusations of American racism and racial oppression. He saw no sign of prejudice. He argued since Robeson was privileged having gone to elite universities and playing collegiate and professional football. Black athletes, even the silent ones, largely understand that their economic privilege doesn't insulate them from the realities of racial discrimination. They also understand that their wealth and success 
is precarious and is often dependent not only upon their athletic performance, but also upon them remaining silent on issues of racial injustice, especially those that appear to question the American dream or implicate the American public by association. There you have it, my friends, the truth. And you know, James Baldwin once said, I love America more than any other country in the world. And exactly for this reason, I insist on the right to criticize her perpetually. And my friends, that music tells me that it's once more that time. But I enjoyed our session today immensely. And I hope I opened your eyes to a few things. And your heart. But before I go, I've got another message for you. Sometimes your freedom is not taken away at gunpoint. But instead it is done by one small piece of paper at a time. Like a paycheck. One seemingly meaningless rule at a time. One small silencing at a time. My friends, I hope you have a fantastic day. And peace to my ancestors and my elders. For I walk in your strength, legacy, and power today and every day. Until next time, it has been my honor.